This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. This is the fifth edition of our Dash to the Draft Marathon this week, which will bring you seven new episodes in eight days. And today, we continue with our division-by-division draft previews with a journey through the NFC North. The NFC North might be the most talented division in terms of quarterback play in 2018. With the return of future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, the arrival of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, the continued high-level play of Matthew Stafford in Detroit, and the expected second-year leap for Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, the race for the NFC North crowd could be a very competitive one. But are there any pieces in this 2018 NFL draft that can put one of these teams over the top? Joining us now to help us answer that question, plus analyze the draft plans of the Bears, Packers, Lions, and Vikings, is our good friend Aaron Lemming of BearReport.com. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show, Aaron. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be back, man. It's been a while. It has been a while indeed, and without further ado, let's talk about the draft plans of the team you cover, the Chicago Bears, who sit in a rather unique spot at 8 overall. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if the three big blue chip players, Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, or Bradley Chubb, are all gone by 8, would you stay put and make the pick, or would you be willing to trade down with teams in the quarterback market like the Chargers or Patriots? And it was, just for our viewers' sake, our listeners' sake, it was reported by Tony Pauline that the Bears are looking to trade down if need be because they want to recoup some of the picks they lost in the Trubisky trade last year. Well, I think when you look at it, the Bears have a very specific set of needs right now, and I think that starts with Ed Rusher. Uh, You know, Leonard Floyd has been a solid player for them. He's going in his third year, but the biggest thing is he can't stay healthy. Uh, So that's obviously a big need for them, and then you look at what they have right now on the offensive line and they cut Josh Sitton and really haven't replaced him yet. They got some veteran guys that can do the job. Uh, fifth round rookie last year, or well, I guess he's not a rookie anymore. Fifth round pick from last year, Jordan Morgan uh, is also somebody who can step in and, and play that role at left guard for them. And, and receiver became uh, somewhat of a decent need too uh, with them letting Cam Meredith go to the Saints after not matching. So I think you really look at the situation that the Bears are in right now. And like you said, they're in a tough spot because there's – you have the quarterbacks and then you have that 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 two or three guys that aren't quarterbacks with Saquon Barkley, uh, Quentin Nelson, and then Bradley Chubb. And the Bears sit in one of those positions at eight where there's a very good chance that, you know, three or four quarterbacks could go, nobody could reach, and then the the, the three top prospects that aren't quarterbacks could be gone, which puts them in a tough position because after that, you have, I'd say, from about seven to eight until about, I don't know, 13, 14, maybe even 15, the talent is very similar, at least for me, in terms of grades. Uh, obviously, there's there's different um, positions out there. So I think the Bears would be put in a very interesting position. And ideally, if that was the situation, it would be nice to trade down. But you also have to have a trade partner looking to trade up. And let's just say four of those quarterbacks go. I don't see a team wanting to launch up into the top 10 for the that last remaining quarterback, whether that be Rosen, whether that be Jackson, whoever that may be. So it'd have to be somebody else. And, you know, obviously the value would have to line up. So ideally in a situation like that, yes, the Bears would like to trade down, uh, you know, recoup some picks and then make a pick, uh, you know, whether that be edge rusher uh, receiver at this point could be a, a possibility or even interior lineman. Uh, but at the same time, <clears throat> I find it kind of hard to believe that if those quarterbacks are off the board, especially all four of those guys, that the Bears are really going to be in a good position to trade down. And if if they're not, then 
they're going to be forced to, I don't know if I'd say reach, but they're going to be forced to dip into that pool of guys that maybe they could get at eight, but maybe they could get at 15 as well. Yes, I completely agree. But also, it was uh, tweeted out uh, this morning by Lance Zierlein that because of the depth at guard, Quentin Nelson could fall to the Bears at 8, if not as far as to the Dolphins at 11. And we are going to make an ideal four-round haul for the Bears, assuming they stay put. And if Quentin Nelson is there at 8, given the fact that Harry Heastan, his college coach, is now back with the Bears coaching the offensive line, do you think he is the pick if he's there? Absolutely. I think as as long as a guy like Chubb isn't there, which I don't think is going to happen, I think uh, I think Nelson makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, a lot of people like to use hyperbole during the draft with some of these prospects. But I really do believe that Quentin Nelson is a generational talent. And I think if he's if they're in a position to be able to go out and actually get somebody like that with the eighth pick, I know a lot of people don't value guards that high, but offensive lines value as a whole, as we've seen in free agency this year. I mean, we saw. Uh, multiple guys that were, you know, average to maybe slightly above average uh, talent in terms of interior alignment get eight, nine million dollars a year. And then you saw Andrew Norwell go out and break, a, you know, at, at the time he broke the record for, you know, biggest uh, offensive lineman contract in the history of football was broken. Uh, what was it, a few days later by Nate Solder. But the point being is it seems like teams are starting to really value offensive line as a whole. Uh, and especially for a team like the Bears, who's always put more value on interior linemen because of what they do uh, versus tackles. So, yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense. And I think it would be a very ideal situation if he was sitting there at eight. It sure would. But also, hypothetically speaking, let's assume he is at their day. He could go as early as five to the Broncos. If not, the Colts could get him if they stay put or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would absolutely love him at seven. Uh, so let's say he's not there at eight. And there are several names I've heard linked to the Bears. Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Virginia Tech. Uh, Harold Landry, who's reportedly picking up steam with the Bears, the edge rusher from uh, Boston College. Or uh, Derwin James, uh, the uh, safety from Florida State. If Nelson's not on the board and the pick is between those four, who do you think the pick should be? Well, if it's me personally, I'm going with uh, Harold Landry. And I think it's really it really comes down to the Bears are pretty solid at inside linebacker right now. And I think you look at their safety tandem, and I think most people are really happy with that. So I know you never want to reach in terms of need, uh, but I think you also have to look at positional value and say, okay, you know, Roquan Smith's a very good player. Same thing with Tremaine Edmonds. My curiosity with Edmonds, especially for a team like the Bears, is – I, I worry that they're gonna they would take somebody like him because he's such a physical freak. He's 19 years old. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. But he he lacks instincts. I'm a big fan of of Edmonds, but I I worry that a team like the Bears would take him and say we're gonna make you an edge rusher. And he's very raw. I mean he 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 was able to rush from the middle uh, and blitzing packages as an inside linebacker and and do some good damage. But that's a far cry away from being a strictly edge rusher that actually has to make moves on the outside, that has to get to the quarterback on a consistent basis and stop the run. So that would kind of concern me. So, you know, a guy like Harold Landry, maybe a little bit small. Uh, he's right on the thresholds of what uh, Vic Fangio usually likes in terms of arm length. He's a little short. Uh, you know, the, the, the size is there. The biggest thing with Landry for me is what kind of player the Bears going to get because when he's on, he's on. But the problem is, is he has such an inconsistent motor. And, and at times you see him in the backfield being disruptive, but then you'll see, you know, 10, 12 plays in a row where he's either not in the play or not pursuing the play. So that would be my only concern there. But luckily with the Bears, they have a very good defensive staff that can get the most out of their players. 
So if Quentin Nelson is there at eight, he's the pick. But if he's not there, then the pick will be Harold Landry. And with the 39th overall pick in round two, there's going to be a run on wide receivers uh, on day two. And given the fact that the Bears, dare I say, in a puzzling fashion, decided not to match the Saints oversheet for Cameron Meredith, the Bears have to get Mitchell Trubisky more insurance at the wide receiver position, especially given the fact that Allen Robinson is coming off that torn ACL. And there should be some good receivers still left at 39. Like some guys that come to mind for me are James Washington of Oklahoma State or Dante Pettis of Washington. Uh, Both of those guys, uh, you tweeted out yesterday that Matt Nagy doesn't necessarily prefer size in wide receivers. He prefers like... uh, like Chris Brown running in good skill sets, either one of those guys could be a very, very good fit in the Bears offense. Yeah, it's it's going to be the, the 39th pick is going to be interesting. And, and something for fans outside of, uh, you know, the Bears to keep in mind is Ryan Pace has been very active within the first two rounds of the draft in terms of trading up uh, and then trading down in the second. So this could be a position where if the Bears have to stay put at eight, they could look to move down a little bit, garner another uh, fourth, uh, you know, third, fourth round pick like they've been doing in the past. But if they do stay put, there's a good chance that there's going to be at least one or two receivers that really fit what they want to do. And I think really speed and the ability, you know, to really just be a a route technician is going to be a big thing for them because uh, you look at what Matt Nagy's done on offense the last few years in Kansas City. Granted, it has been Andy Reid's team, but I think you really look at Andy Reid's coaching staff and, and, and when these guys move on, they become head coaches. They they adopt a lot of the same philosophies. And I think that's going to be the same thing with uh, Matt Nagy. I think he's really going to look and see, you know, we have a specific type of receiver that we're looking for. And that's going to be something that they're that they're going to want to go for. And when I say we, I'm obviously not talking about me. I'm talking about what Na- Matt Nagy would would expect. But it's just one of those situations right now where they're they're in an interesting position because let's say Nelson does follow them and they take Nelson and they're still going to be looking to recoup picks. But if a receiver like that's on the board, uh, I mean, it's one of those things that you may have to pull the trigger, but at the same time, you still got a huge uh, need at Ed Rusher. So I think if they are going to go receiver in this position, like you said, James Washington can definitely make some sense. I think another guy that uh, I value very highly that it doesn't seem like a lot of the league is overly high on right now, and that's uh, Anthony Miller. I think Anthony Miller can make a lot of sense for the Bears. Uh, he's a little bit on the older side. It seems like he's been a little bit overlooked. He hasn't really done much in terms of uh, you know, like the, the combine and the different stuff like that, but I think he's somebody that can make a lot of sense. And I, I think my dream pick at uh, 39 at this point, and I think there's a decent chance he could get close, uh, would be Christian Kirk. Uh, I think you look at the other receivers, you got DJ Moore, uh, You've got uh, Cortland Sutton there and, uh, you know, obviously the Ridley out of Alabama. So I, I think you're probably going to have three receivers go in the first round, and I think those are probably going to be the guys. So you're going to have, like you said, there, there may be a run on receiver, and it kind of depends on where the, the, that's at. Luckily, the Bears are in a pretty good position, uh, 39 overall, to where they're going to be able to, to really – dive in and see what the best option is going to be. And and at least for me, when I'm looking at this draft class, I see rounds two through four right now is really the sweet spot in the draft. And it was kind of the same way last year, but I think this year especially because there's not as many blue chip prospects. There's not as many uh, top end talents out there. I think really when you start getting into the tens, even the twenties, uh, some of that talent really starts running together. So we could see a lot of interesting moves to where some of this projected first round talent could be pushed back into the second. That could be a good thing for the bears. Oh, it absolutely could. And let's say they decide to go edge rusher at 39 and stay put at 39. Uh, there are a couple edge rushers names that come to my mind, like Doran Armstrong from Kansas or Duke Ejiofor of Wake Forest. Uh, any other edge names that come to mind you at 39 for the Bears to consider? 
Well, I think uh, there's a few that I've kind of looked at. Uh, I think Lorenzo Carter could make a lot of sense. I know some people are kind of split whether they'd want him to be an inside linebacker. I think he profiles very much the same as a guy like Leonard Floyd where they can put him on the edge but give him other duties within that to where he can draw back into coverage uh, you know, and, and do different things. And I think the other one that makes some sense if medicals really clear out is going to be uh, Josh Sweat out of uh, Florida State. I think – there, there's an interesting amount of talent in the draft, and and the guy that you just brought up, uh, you know, Duke Geofor out of Wake Forest. I, I think you look at him, and he's somebody. At least for me, I'm a big fan, and I, I have right around a uh, mid second round grade on him. But because of his medicals and because of the surgery that he had to have on his labrum, this could be a situation where we could see him fall into the third or fourth round. So this could be a situation where the Bears look at it and say, okay, you know. Uh, if we are going to go receiver, maybe maybe they bank on somebody like that. I, I don't know at this point in time, but uh, he would make a lot of sense. I think he fits a lot of their measurables as well. But because of the uh, because of the injury, um, at least from what I read, I think he's going to be ready for training camp. But that's also some sort of a risk for teams that some teams may want not want to take in the second, maybe even the third round. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Duke Ejiofor ends up. But at 39 overall, we have to make a decision here. Uh, wide receiver or edge and which one? I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm just looking at my mock that I have right now, and I'm going to go ahead and go with Christian Kirk out of uh, Texas A&M. I'm going to go receiver. So Christian Kirk, it is at 39, and either Quentin Nelson, if he's there, or Harold Landry, if Quentin Nelson is not there, at 8. And at uh, 105 overall, we've uh, given you the edge rusher in Harold Landry or the guard in Quentin Nelson, and we've given you the wide receiver in uh, Christian Kirk. But let's suppose Quentin Nelson is not the pick at 8, and you have Harold Landry and Christian Kirk. Uh, at 105, uh, there still should be some good guards left, or if not, you could go corner or safety here if you want. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting talent. Like I said, I mean, even going in the fourth round, the Bears have two picks in the fourth round that they can really kind of, uh, you know, do what they want with. And and it's interesting that you bring up corner because there's been a lot of ties to them, uh, you know, being deep in this corner class, even though they just locked up Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamura. I mean, both of those guys are guaranteed uh, really through the next two years. So it's going to be interesting to see really how that all how that all works out. But I think when you look at it, uh, you know, offensive guards, one of those things that you can find value in the later rounds. And I think this is a very good, uh, a very good guard class and a very, you know, pretty good center class as well. I think the entire interior line is pretty solid overall. And you look at you look at some of the offensive tackles here. Uh, a guy like Alex Kappa uh, doesn't really have the longest arms. Uh, another guy like uh, Martinez Rankin, uh, who's also, I have him projected more as a guard or a center. So I think it kind of depends. The Bears have always been creative in what they've done um, offensively, especially with on the offensive line. So I think that guard does make sense for this pick. And like I said, I mean, you really kind of look at it, and I think a guy like Sean Welsh, if you want to go just pure guard, uh, can make a lot of sense, uh, as well as, like I said, Alex Kappa is another guy that I actually have projected more at guard because of his arm length. And I think he's somebody, especially when you look at what the Bears have done over the last few years, they go small school a lot. And I think especially if Alex, Alex Kappa is going to be projected as a guard for most teams, which I assume because of the arm length, and coming out of a small school out of Humboldt State, I think it makes sense uh, for the Bears to take a guy like that in the fourth round. It definitely fits what Ryan Pace is trying to do. Yeah, so let's give them Alex Kappa at 105. And at 115 overall, I think we give them their their third corner here. Yeah, and I it's exactly what I have. I mean, I'm pretty much just following the, kind of following the script of what I had so far. And I think when you, when you really look at what the Bears are trying to do uh, at corner – they're not really looking for, you know, fluid hips. They're not really looking for, you know, the the I guess the most fluid player overall, really. They're looking more at arm length. They're looking more at size overall. 
and there's a, a few different guys in the in the corners are going to be very interesting to see how this all kind of pans out because I personally have a second round grade on Quentin Meeks out of Stanford, uh, but you know you look at a lot of different people's guards and he's projected more as a third or fourth round kind of guy. Um, so just because of my board. I don't think that he's going to be there, but I think you look at some of these other guys and somebody that can make a lot of sense for them would be uh, Tavares McFadden out of Florida State. Now, kind of, kind of fits that mold, and and it's one of those guys that you can kind of sit back and say, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have you as our third corner, or even fourth corner at this point, because they got Marcus Cooper, uh, and really kind of develop him over this next year or two, especially with a guy like Prince of Mukamura. Uh, who's solid, um, doesn't really get his hands on many balls, but he's also somebody that's solid enough to where you could feel comfortable with him being your starter for a year or two. But he's also somebody that hasn't been able to stay healthy his whole entire career, whether he's missing a few games or whatever it may be. So I think a guy like McFadden makes a lot of sense with length uh, and overall fit in Vic Fangio's uh, defense. Yeah, so to recap, we've given them Quentin Nelson or Harold Landry at 8, Christian Kirk at 39, Big Alex Kappa at 105, and Tavares McFadden at 115. And now moving on to the Bears' most hated rival, the Green Bay Packers, who also need help all over their defense. Their pass rush pretty much consists of 32-year-old Clay Matthews and often injured Nick Perry. They ranked 23rd in pass defense last year and need more youth at cornerback and could also use a three-down linebacker to help there as well. Assuming Harold Landry is off the board by 14, and the assumption is he's their number one target. Should they go with a corner like Jair Alexander or Josh Jackson, a linebacker like Leighton Vanderish, assuming Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds are gone, or should they address the need on offense? Well, I think you look at the Packers' needs, and at least my my take on the Packers' needs right now is I think corner's definitely a big one. Uh, edge rusher is something that they could definitely use in terms of what they've had with health and how they've moved uh, Matthews around a little bit. Uh, and then receiver is another one that I don't think is quite as big of a need just because you already have your two top guys locked up with the depth after that, after cutting Jordy Nelson's obviously an issue. So I think when you really look at it, I, I think edge rusher could make some sense. And I think Harold Landry would make a lot of sense for them if he's there. Uh, but assuming that he's not, I think a guy like Josh Jackson makes a ton of sense for them. I think you look at corner right now, you've got Kevin King, uh, you know, second round pick from last year. And then you've got a guy, a, a, a group of uh, veterans, I guess you say, that they've just kind of thrown out. Uh, a lot of these guys have gone, uh, come and gone, and they've come back. And you know, obviously, one of those is Tremaine, uh, or sorry, oh man, I'm drawing uh, Jermon Williams. I don't know why I drew drew a plank on his name there. You got Devon House. <laughs> so you look at their corners right now, and you've seen what's gone on the last few years and how inconsistent that position's been. And I think that's something, especially with new defensive coordinator Mike Patine coming in, I think that's going to be something that they're going to want to address early. So somebody like Josh Jackson definitely makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, yes, and for the record, my good friend and NFL insider Eric Trickle of MileHighHuddle.com has mocked Josh Jackson of the Packers consistently in this spot in recent weeks, so we will give them Josh Jackson at 14. And in round two at pick 45 overall, I think this would be a good spot to address the interior offensive line to get Aaron Rodgers and his uh, two-time broken collarbone some much-needed protection. I agree. I, I think when really you look at the Packers' uh, offensive line right now, I think you've definitely got a hole at guard. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they value that because, like I said, I mean they could they could easily go edge rusher or receiver here. Um, you know, I think running backs going to be one of those that they could they could definitely uh, they you know add something there as well. But I think when you look at uh, offensive guard overall, there's there's so much talent, uh, whether that be guard or center. I mean, those are usually kind of picks that you can flip flop either way. And there's quite a few guys that make sense there for them. And it really kind of depends on who falls down the board or whoever it may be. I don't think a guy like Wynn's going to be there for them. Uh, 
But I think a guy like maybe uh, Corbett, Austin Corbett out of Nevada could make a lot of sense for them if he's still there, which I'd assume usually guards fall a little bit. And I think that if if he's there sitting in the middle of the second round, I think that could make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, so Austin Corbett, I really loved watching him in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He really made himself some money down there, and he's almost a lock to be picked at the early part of the second round. So Josh Jackson and Austin Corbett to start the Packers uh, draft here. And in the third round at 76 overall, uh, do you uh, invest in an edge rusher with upside? Do you uh, go with a linebacker here? Well, it, it really depends on I'm kind of just looking at my board here to kind of get to get a decent idea here. And there's definitely a few different places they can go. Um, I, I think edge rusher in this type of position, because I think when you when you look at edge rusher as a whole, there's some interesting talent there. And I think that Outside of the first, the first round talent really outside of uh, Chubb, in my opinion, isn't overly strong. It depends how you project a guy like Marcus Davenport, how you project a guy like Harold Landry. And I think the second round, you're also going to have some guys there that could that could make some sense as well. But I think the third round is going to be where you see some of these guys slip, whether that be because of medicals, whether that be because of fit, whatever it may be. Um, and I think a guy that I'm not quite as high on that I know a lot of people you know are, and he may go earlier than. Uh, uh, than I'm expecting, but I have a third round grade on him, and I think Sam Hubbard uh, out of Ohio State could make a lot of sense. Now I see Hubbard as more of a just a guy kind of thing. I, I think that he's going to be good against the run, but I don't think he's going to be this uh, eight to ten sack per year type pass rusher that some people have him projected as. But I do think that he's a good fit. Uh, for a team like the Packers. And I think if you can get a guy like that in the third round that maybe doesn't have, at least in my opinion, as much pass rushing upside, but you have a good coach, uh, defensive coordinator, and and Mike Patine that can get the most out of him. So I think Hubbard would make a lot of sense if he's still there. Yeah, we'll give them Sam Hubbard at 76 overall. And with, like the Bears, they have two fourth round picks, 101 overall. I think they should try to find their third wide receiver here. Yeah, I think receiver as a whole, another another position, I think. And there's it seems like there's a common theme in this draft. I think when you look at receiver as a whole, there's it's it's tough because there's not a lot of top end talent, but this is a talented class. I think this is just more of the the second tier of this group is very talented. And I, I think you can go a multitude of different ways if you're looking at receiver right now in terms of what they'd want to do. A guy like Kiki QT can make some sense. But I think you could also see when you're actually looking at the receivers, I think that you could see uh, some guys in the you know second, third round talent end up falling out because much like corner, it's sometimes it's about fit. So I think a guy like Deion Kane can make some sense here. And like I said, I'm not I'm not quite as high on him as other people are. I think a guy like Cedric Wilson could definitely make some sense, but at least the vibe that I get and what they're looking at, I would assume that they're going to want to go with somebody somewhat similar to uh, Jordy Nelson. Uh, so I don't I don't think that QT makes as much sense, but I think a guy like Dion uh, Dion Kane, maybe even Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State, and that's that's kind of the tough part right here because everybody's going to have these receivers graded differently. Now I've named off a few guys that I have as fourth round talents. Some of these guys, you know, some other people have them as second or third round talents, but I think a guy like Dion Kane can make a lot of sense for them here. I think Deshaun Hamilton would make some perfect sense for them, giving his amazing route running abilities. And Aaron Rodgers definitely wants receivers that could get open first and foremost. So let's give them Deshaun Hamilton at 101. And at 133 overall, let's see, we've given them their wide receiver in Deshaun Hamilton. We've given them their guard in Austin Corbett in round two. Defensive line help with Sam Hubbard at 76. And corner help with Josh Jackson at 14. And uh, this is a very deep linebacker class. And I think some good quality linebackers could be left at 133. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. I think a guy like Jannard Avery uh, out of Memphis can make some make some sense. And and I mean, there's going to be just because linebacker every year, there, there's going to be a decent amount of talent out there. I think a guy like uh, Sky Moore, even Warren Burks can make a lot of sense for them as well. Somebody who's kind of a sleeper in my mind, I just because of his medicals at this point is Jack Sitchie out of uh, Wisconsin. I think it also makes some sense because he kind of plays, at least in my mind, he kind of he kind of plays the same role as what they've been having. Uh, Matthews play lately where you know he can play outside linebacker if needed to be a pass rusher but you know more on the inside but he can generate a, uh, a good pass rush from the inside so he could definitely make some sense but I think when I'm really looking at it I think Jannard Avery uh, makes the most sense for them I don't think Jannard Avery will be there so uh, who should they go if he's not there well I think uh, you can just go with that uh, that Wisconsin guy that's uh, right there and uh, Jack Sitchie Jack Sitchie it is. And now moving from Green Bay to Detroit and the Lions in their first year under new head coach Matt Patricia. And there are two different ways I can see the Lions going with the 20th overall pick. They either roll the dice on an edge rusher, uh, like a raw edge rusher, like a Marcus Davenport, or if they are satisfied with his medicals, then they might roll the dice on Josh Sweat or go with an interior penetrator like a Taven Bryan or Maurice Hurst. Or take that bell cow running back that they've been lacking for so long in Darius Geis if he's available. Which direction would you go in if you were the Lions in round one? I think, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I think they kind of project as close to the same player. I think uh, Ziggy Ansah definitely had a little bit higher of a ceiling. But when I'm looking at the Lions' needs right here, I've got defensive line or edge. I mean, really pick one at this point. Uh, tight end's another big one. I don't think there's any tight end worth the pick right here. Uh, offensive line, interior offensive line could be a need, you know, or could be a choice for them right here and running back, but I don't, I don't really see them going running back this early. So I think really going back to it, I think you're looking at defensive line or edge, uh, kind of like you said. I think a guy like Taven Bryant could definitely make some sense, but I think Marcus Davenport can make a lot of sense as well, and that's who I'm going to take here because he's very raw. Uh, I, I see a lot of upside with him. I know it, he's kind of been all over the board depending on where you want to look at him at first. Some people haven't projected to go in the top ten. Personally, I don't. Uh, but I also think that if you can get his, his pad level under control uh, and, and really get him going and, and have a good coach, and I think they're, that they're going to have that down at Detroit. I love the the coaching moves that they made this, uh, this offseason. I think that he can make a lot of sense. And the other thing to keep in mind here is that Ziggy Ansah is only on a uh, he, he's on a franchise tag right now so this is a player that has been somewhat up and down especially with health uh, the production has been there in terms of numbers but when you actually look at what he's done it's been very hot and cold for him and I think if if the Lions can get in a position where they could take somebody like a Davenport and you know have that solid edge rusher there and if they want to let if, if they want to let Ansa go, uh, you know, after this year they can. And uh, you know, if Ansa comes on and the, and they want to get him uh, signed to a long term deal, then I mean, you you could never have enough pass rushers, and especially in the NFC North with the amount of quarterbacks that are there. Aaron Rodgers, now Kirk Cousins, uh, and you know, possibly Trubisky, and you know, and obviously Stafford as well. So I think that it makes a lot of sense for every single one of these teams, especially these these first three teams that we talked about. Uh, for edge rusher, and that's why I think Marcus Davenport makes a lot of sense for them. Marcus Davenport it is at 20, and at 51 overall, do you see any running backs or tight ends that the Lions should target here? I think tight end is going to be a, a big need for them, and once again, you kind of look at the tight end situation, and there's multiple different ways that they can go here. Uh, everybody kind of has a different board. Uh, personally, when I look at tight ends, I uh, have Mark Andrews, Mike Jacecki, 
and the kid out of uh, uh, South Dakota State. I'm drawing a blank on his name right Dallas now. Dallas Goddard. Yeah, Dallas Goddard. That They're all very similarly graded to me. And I think when I really look at it, I think Andrews is probably going to be the one that falls a little bit. But I think these are all borderline first to second round talents. Uh, and I think he, you just look at what they've had at tight end the last few years. And obviously they let Ebron go. And I think tight end is going to be a big need for them here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, one of my favorite tight ends, uh, Mark Andrews. I think that he's, like I said, I think he's probably going to be the one that falls to a point to where they could take him at this position. And I think he makes a lot of sense here. So Marcus Davenport, round one, Mark Andrews in round two, round 382 overall. This is a deep running back class. I think they ought to add their other running back here. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, somebody that makes a ton of sense for them uh, would be a guy like Royce Freeman. I, once again, kind of one of those guys, especially when you look at running back to where, you know, people have uh, have different views of him. I have him graded as a, as a third round running back. And I think he's kind of the overlooked running back in this class. And I think it's because he's, He's obviously he's he's been it seems like he's been with Oregon forever, but he's so well rounded in everything that he does. And I think that's something that the that the lines have really lacked the last few years when you look at I mean, they haven't had a hundred yard rusher and what has it been like six, six, five, six seasons, something like that. Yeah. And it's been just a ridiculous amount of time. And I think you really look at what they have right now. Amir Abdullah, okay, cool. Uh, Legarrette Blunt, okay, cool. You know, it, it, he's gonna. Th- those are those are role players in my mind. But if you can get that three down running back, especially in the you know the the mid rounds of the draft, third, fourth, fifth round, and I think you go for it. And I think a guy like Royce Freeman makes a ton of sense for them. So Marcus Davenport, Mark Andrews, and Royce Freeman, and in round four at 117 overall, uh, you get that uh, potential interior disruptor. Uh, well, you can go a, a few different ways here, and I'm just kind of looking at looking at my board to see see what's out there because I think you can either get that interior rusher uh, because I think it's a pretty pretty good uh, defensive line class, or this is a position to where they can look and they can say, okay, you know, they can take a corner, uh, or they can go out and they can take a you know an a, a offensive lineman here, and I think somebody that could make a lot of sense for them because they let. Uh, they let their their center go this this past offseason would be a guy like Will Clapp uh, out of LSU. And he's kind of one of those guys. I've got a borderline third to fourth round grade on him. Uh, people have been, once again, hot and cold on him. That seems like the theme of everything that we've been talking about so far. But he's somebody that has position versatility. You could put him at center. You could put him at guard. And I think he makes a lot of sense uh, just because the lines of – I mean, their offensive line is is good for what it is, but at the same time, I also think that they're in a position to where they could really uh, they could really use another offensive lineman. So I think I'm going to go offensive line here, especially with the depth at defensive line. I think this is somebody you know, in a, they're in a position where they could uh, they could take another interior pass rusher in the in the fifth round and still probably get a decent value there. And last but not least, the Super Bowl or bust Minnesota Vikings and their top priority in this draft, in my opinion, has to be protecting their new $84 million man in Kirk Cousins. They especially need more help on the interior of their offensive line. And would a guy like Billy Price, in the event the Vikings are satisfied with his medicals on that uh, partially torn pec injury suffered at the Combine, or even Frank Ragnow, should the Vikings be afraid that the Minnesota native will be gone by the time they pick next, be worth it at 30? Well, I think they could they could go a few different ways, but I think unlike the other three teams that we talked about, the Vikings really don't have many holes. Like you said, I think interior line is definitely a hole. Uh, corner, I'd say third corner is a hole at this point as well. But I, I think when you really look at it, guard's going to be kind of in that sweet spot. And I think somebody that can make a lot of sense for them 
and he's my third guard right now is going to be uh, uh, Isaiah Wynn out of uh, Georgia now. I, some people have him projected as a, a tackle. I don't. I, I think he's going to be a stud of an offensive guard. Uh, I think you could also go Will Hernandez here. But I think this is right in the position to where you're going to have, obviously, Quentin Nelson's going to go in the top 10. Uh, I think Connor Williams, who's also somebody because of his arm length and just because of his overall body type, I think projects a little bit better for me as an offensive guard. And I think he's somebody that you're probably going to see going within the first 20 picks too, which is going to push some of this other talent down, whether that be Wynn, whether that be Hernandez, a guy like Billy Price, like you said, could make some sense, but I think in a, in a position like this, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, you know with my my third best uh, guard right here. That makes a lot of sense, and that's going to be Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn it is, and for the record, a Jordan Reed, a good friend of the program and a big Vikings fan. Follow him on Twitter at J Reed Draft Scout. He will be on this podcast in the coming week. By the way, uh, Isaiah Wynn is his dream pick for the Vikings at 30, or at least one of the, his two dream picks for the Vikings at 30. So for his sake, let Soapy Falls this far to 30. And another thing for the Vikings to address. They need more depth on their defensive line. As good as their starting four are, uh, not only are Daniil Hunter and I believe Linval Joseph coming out of contract after this year, Sheldon Richardson as well. He's only on a one-year deal. Uh, Where they were exposed somewhat in the playoffs was their front four got tired from being out on the field so goddamn long. And uh, look at the Eagles. They had such a deep rotation that all their guys were kept fresh throughout the game. So in order to like match the Eagles pound for pound, the Vikings have got to invest more resources into that defensive line. So which defensive lineman at 62 would make a lot of sense for the Vikings? I think Nathan Shepard uh, out of Fort Hayes State makes a lot of sense for them. More of an interior guy, especially in a 4-3. But I think he's somebody that, man, he's got such a high ceiling. And I hate mocking this to them because I'm a, I'm a big fan and obviously, you know, Bears guy. But I think especially because you look at you, you look at uh, Shepard right here and and man, he was he was really good in the uh, in the Senior Bowl before he got hurt, and he's just been catching. He's kind of he's one of those helium guys right now. He continues to rise. At first, he's kind of started off as a fourth or fifth round type projection, and he's a little bit raw coming out of Fort Hay State, uh, obviously a, a smaller school. But I do think that he makes a ton of sense for for them here, and, and especially when you get in the later second round, especially the last three picks like that. I mean, you're really almost picking in the third round. So if you can get a guy like this, uh, Nathan Shepard, I think it makes a lot of sense. Oh, it absolutely does. So Isaiah Wynn and Nathan Shepard would be the ideal first two picks for the Vikings in this draft, in my opinion. And the Vikings don't have any fourth round picks this year due to the Sam Bradford trade they made in 2016. So last but not least, uh, 94 overall in round three. I think they should look at their slot corner of the future here, especially with the Terrence Newman pushing 40 and Mackenzie Alexander um, uh, not looking so good. I agree. I, I think really outside of the interior line when I was looking at the, you know, just looking at the Vikings depth chart, I think that's one of the things that really stands out to me in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of holes on a team that really doesn't have many holes right now. And I think that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely going to be corner. And once again, it kind of goes back to, you know, what you're trying to feel uh, fill. And I think, like you said, I think more of a more of the slot corner is going to be something that they're going to be looking for right now. Uh, I've man, there were so many people that were high on McKenzie Alexander coming out of Clemson, uh, was never a fan. So it's kind of one of those, anytime anybody mentions them to me, it's like, you know, it's kind of an, I told you so moment, but when you, when you look at it, I think there's a, there's a multitude of different ways that they can go here. Somebody that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, there's actually two guys, a guy like Duke Dawson out of Florida can make some sense. I've got a, uh, 
a fourth round grade on him, but once again, you know, you could definitely slide him in the uh, the end of the third there, or a guy like MJ Stewart out of North Carolina who definitely projects more as that slot guy, but I think is really sticky in coverage and somebody that can make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go ahead and say MJ Stewart just because I think that he fits that role better. Um, but this is also something that's going to be somewhat of a death mo- death move for them. And if a guy like uh, Alexander steps up, or maybe he's going to be slotted to start. But I also think that Stewart's a guy that has kind of flown under the radar a little bit that can come in and have a really good camp and end up taking over that starting spot. What a draft haul for the Vikings we came up with. Isaiah Wynn, Nathan Shepard, and MJ Stewart. That would be the most ideal four-round haul for the Minnesota Vikings. He is Aaron Lemming, ladies and gentlemen. BearReport.com. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Aaron, it is always a pleasure having you on the show, my friend, and we hope to have you back in the very near future. Absolutely, man. I appreciate appreciate you having me on again. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon. I'm hopeful as well, Aaron. We appreciate you too. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Stay tuned for the final two episodes of our Dash to the Draft extravaganza. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special, my interview with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Aaron, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Aaron Lemming, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as always, stay awesome.